Well, as you know, on Business Wars, business is battle. And each season, we cover legendary corporate battles. Find the very heart of each rivalry and unearth all the valuable lessons to be found there. If you like our podcast, well, I want to tell you about another one you may very well enjoy. The new season of Business Movers from Wondery tells the incredible story of General Motors' rise from the dead in the past decade. For nearly a century, General Motors was America's car maker. They were the key driver in the American economy and set the pace for our car culture as a nation. That all came to a crashing halt in 2009, when the country had plunged into the Great Recession, pushing the company into near ruin. You'll hear the remarkable story of how General Motors crawled out of the grave and is now in position to lead the car industry into the future. How'd they pull off the comeback? The answer was Mary Barra, a woman who rose from engineer to executive in an industry typically dominated by men. She knew General Motors from the inside out, and Mary would do anything to restore the company to power. But it would be the hardest fight of her life. The new season of Business Movers explores a moment in American history that's unfolding before our very eyes. And you're about to hear a preview of Business Movers, General Motors, Back from the Dead. It's the 1990s in a small office at the General Motors assembly plant in Fairfax, Kansas. Mary Barra, a low-level GM manager of manufacturing planning, rubs her tired eyes and repeats the same phrase she's been saying for at least the past hour. John, we aren't going to make better cars unless we start doing things differently. John, a plant manager from Kansas, sighs with frustration as he throws a set of engineering plants on his desk. Mary watches as he stands and paces around the small office above the factory floor. <sighs> differently, differently. Why do we have to waste time doing things differently if it works just fine the way it is? Mary has just finished telling John that his assembly plant will soon be making a new model of the Pontiac Grand Prix. But this time, John and his crew will be using an entirely new system of production, one Mary created herself. Now see, that's the problem, John. The way we make cars overall isn't fine. It's not even good. Every plant has its own system of doing things. What takes your plant three months to do would take Flint six months. I think that proves my point. I've been making cars as long as you've been alive. There aren't any better systems out there than this one. Look, I trust that you and your team are the best at what you do, John. You all work hard, we know that. But we're building a new car here. And now with Japan stealing customers left and right, we've got to do better. Everyone's got to do better. The situation at GM is dire. The company has been losing market share and hemorrhaging billions every year. Mary's job is to design a standardized system so GM can save time and money on manufacturing. John stops pacing to lean over the desk. You know, I just don't appreciate executives in suits coming down here and telling us factory workers how to do our jobs. It's like you don't trust us when we've been the ones making the product. Hey, John, I'm not an executive. I'm not in a suit. You know I got my start in a Pontiac factory. I did everything short of mopping floors for years. So I need you to trust me. We're not asking you to give up control of your plant. We're asking you to listen to the teams we send in to launch the new models so we can be as efficient as possible. John sighs again, this time in resignation. He sits back in his chair and looks up at Mary. None of my people are going to like this. No, 
and they won't at first. But we want to make the best cars in America. And we're going to start here on your floor with your crew. I'm hoping I can count on you. Yeah, all right. Good. Now, let me show you how we're going to do it. Mary reviewed plans of the new system with John for hours, taking him through a massive restructuring of the process. As she visited plants across the country to explain the new standardization, she faced plenty of pushback. At every single location, Mary found one common issue. GM didn't like change. She saw how managers would ignore good ideas simply because they were new. To Mary, that kind of thinking wasn't just disastrous. She knew it could kill a company. And in the case of GM, it almost did. In 2009, after a century of stubborn thinking, GM faced financial collapse. For 100 years, General Motors was the ultimate car guys club. But in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis and in the midst of the company's lowest ebb, a new leader would emerge, a former plant worker, an engineer turned manager, a woman in a man's world. Mary Barra would rise through the ranks of GM, tearing down the status quo and reshaping the culture of the storied car company. She would be the first woman to rule the GM empire, and she would ascend to the top through tough but fair leadership, shattering the glass ceiling and bringing GM back to life. From Wondery, I'm Lindsey Graham, and this is Business Movers. Mary Barra lived and breathed cars. Her father worked as a GM factory hand for 39 years in Pontiac, Michigan. He loved to tinker with broken appliances and made things from spare parts. Sometimes he'd bring home new cars from the Pontiac factory, and after Mary finished her chores, she explored the vehicles from top to bottom. Like her father, Mary wanted to know how these machines worked and how to make them work better. At 18 years old, Mary started inspecting fender panels and hoods for General Motors, saving up her money for college tuition. In 1985, she graduated from the GM Institute, now called Kettering University, with an electrical engineering degree. Then she attended Stanford's Graduate School of Business on a GM fellowship. After that, Mary worked a variety of engineering and administrative positions for GM. But as Mary rose through the ranks, she rarely saw women in leadership positions. It was a male-dominated industry, and women in GM factories often faced catcalls from male workers, and they rarely, if ever, advanced. But Mary did, despite these obstacles. Her idea to create a standardized retooling system in the 1990s transformed GM. After implementing the system at the Fairfax, Kansas plant, GM saw the most successful launch ever. They made the Grand Prix on schedule with fewer mistakes and smoother production. Mary's system worked so well, the company eventually adopted it as a standard best practice for launching all new cars in the future. As a result, Mary's name got put on a short list of up-and-comers at GM, and she started to work her way up the ladder. For Mary, her success at standardization was the start of her career. But for GM, it was perhaps a little too late. Since 1908, GM operated as a key driver of the workforce, the economy, and American culture. But 100 years later, in 2008, 
the once thriving business would come to a crashing halt. Some faltered the spike of global gasoline costs. Many blamed the 2008 economic collapse. Mary saw another reason. GM suffered from internal arrogance. GM leaders before her believed theirs was the toughest company, and they would survive by sticking to the tried-and-true GM way. But when the government was forced to rescue GM from collapse, President Obama and his task force put the blame squarely on a failure of leadership. Year after year, decade after decade, we've seen problems papered over and tough choices kicked down the road, even as foreign competitors outpaced us. But well, we've reached the end of that rope, and we as a nation cannot afford to shirk responsibility any longer. This is episode one in our four-part series on GM, In With The New. You've just heard a preview of Business Movers. To hear the rest of this episode, follow Business Movers on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app.